Thorny, as we venture into the R&R, two truths are consistent. We love our dear Montana State, and we love great beer. And you know who else feels the same? Jeremiah Johnson Brewing. Brewed in the heart of Montana in downtown Great Falls, Jeremiah Johnson takes Montana's finest ingredients to craft some of Montana's favorite beers. And now, Jeremiah Johnson's second tap room is open in downtown Coeur d'Alene. Their sister IPA is probably one of my favorites, but we all know, Thorny, you're not the hop lover I am. You're more of a mountain man scotch ale. Well, Foley, I'm certainly not a mountain man, but you are right. I do love their mountain man scotch ale. But come game day, you and I are both cracking their golden bobcat pale ale. So when you're looking for a quality craft beer brewed with Montana roots, a relaxing tap room, or just a six-pack to take to your favorite bobcat tailgate, Jeremiah Johnson delivers. Make your next beer a Jeremiah Johnson, and as always, go Cats. Welcome everybody to the RNR Catcast, a fan-based podcast focusing on Montana State athletics. We're two dudes named Ryan from the state of Washington talking about our dear Montana State. We hope you enjoy. Welcome back, Bobcat fans. Thanks for joining us. We are the Ryans of the R&R CatCast, the Montana State affiliate of the Big Sky Podcast Network. We are brought to you by Jeremiah Johnson Brewing, brewed in downtown Great Falls, Montana, with a second tap room in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. We are here to talk about Montana State men's basketball, the weekend series against Sac State, and the upcoming tournament down in Boise. Thorny? How you doing, buddy? Tournament time. I'm excited. It's a new season. Fresh start. Nothing else matters up until this point. Tournament time. <laughs> Go Bobcats. <laughs> you can win firing. I, I like am on fire right now because why not? Someone's got to give a kickstart to the team. It's going to be me sitting over here sipping with my, my green tea and honey. It's going to be me. <laughs> so no beer for you tonight? Nope. I don't feel in particularly well. A little under the weather. I'm drinking tea. Hope yeah. I don't sound too stuffed up on the on the episode here. Sounds a little guy like the early springtime blues. Pretty much. Right, there you go. So you're drinking tea. I do have a beer. I went and bought one, a six pack over at Trader Joe's. Uh Rubens Brewing out of Seattle. It's called the Bits and the Bobs. Bits and Bobs, India Pale Ale. And I looked it up. It's seven percent. It's really pretty good. It sounds like it's kind of like uh, an experimental IPA that they brew differently every year. And uh, I've had Rubens um, beers before. I've always seemed to like them. Um, this one's pretty good. Uh, so I think my my wife approved, and I think she was sipping on one earlier today. But yeah, not bad. Nice. Sounds good, man. Mm-hmm. Not too fruity. So I like that. I don't, I'm not a huge fruity IPA kind of guy. I still like the bitter IPA taste. All right, Foley. Well, I am jealous you're drinking a beer, but let's go ahead and get into the recap of the Sacramento State Series. The Bobcats ended up having the first game pushed back until Friday, so we ended up playing back-to-back games on Friday and Saturday, like 11 a.m. Friday and 10 a.m. Uh, Saturday Pacific time, so pretty early games. Uh, that's, that's a big, that's a quick turnaround time. So 
the second game, you could definitely tell there were some tired legs, but the Bobcats were able to pull out the victory in the first game, 77 to 75. The Cats shot 46% from the field, where Sac State shot 50% from the field. The Cats only shot 37% from downtown. Uh, Sac State shot 44% due to one guy basically not missing the entire game. Uh, that Fitzpatrick guy, he was like yeah. six for eight in the first half. I think he was finally <laughs> missing some shots in the in the second half. But Unreal, man. He really kept Sac State in the game. But this game, actually, Sac State kind of shot themselves in the foot. They were only 13 of 19 from the line for 68.4%, which is actually a little bit above their season average. They're not a very good free throw shooting team, but the Cats shot really well, 85.3%, which was crucial because I don't think the, the Cats basically hit one field goal like almost in the last six minutes of the game. Yeah. They went cold, ice cold, but they were able to hit enough free throws down the stretch to at least come away with the victory. Cats out-rebounded, Sac State 31-23, to 12 assists for the Cats, which is good. Um, it seems like that's been single digits too often this season, so 12 assists for the Cats, 10 for Sac State. But Sac State had 12 steals. Just one of those other games where the Cats just, just could not hang on to the ball, 17 total turnovers for the Cats. Um, Sac State committed 26 fouls to the 18 for the Cats. Uh, it was a pretty close game. The Cats... You know, had an eight-point lead at one point there in the second half, but it whittled away. But uh, free throw shooting, the Cats were able to get the victory in the first game of the series against the Hornets. Ryan, what did you think of the energy Montana State brought? Specifically on that first game. It was definitely better. Like, I we we actually started off pretty well. I remember thinking, all right, the Cats are looking better. The energy has picked up since we, we lost to Idaho. The Idaho game just looked like we were walking in quicksand. We actually came out and executed, moved the ball around. The ball wasn't very sticky at any point, as they like to say. We were moving around, getting good shots. I like the way you are playing the intensity, but the cast just can't seem to play that way with that intensity for an entire game. And it just kind of wavers in the second half. It kind of was really faltering there at the end. So I don't know if it's conditioning, if it's a mental like attitude the cats need to adopt, but uh, the energy was great up until, yeah, about the second half of the second half. It's <laughs> a good point. Well, we, we scored well. We, like you said, we distributed the ball fairly well. Bello had 12 points. Muhammad had 10. Amin had 18. Bishop had 10. <clears throat> Gazalis, who had a great weekend. He's one of my top players from both games. He had 11. And so, uh, that kind of scoring production out of five of our players, that's not a bad thing. So when we when we hit those types of numbers with, uh, with the players and not just rely on one guy, like, kind of like we, what we ended up doing in the second game with um, Bello, <clears throat> we, seem to, we seem to do good. And like you said, I, the reason why I asked you about the energy is that's kind of a concern of mine. It seems like we're always waiting for that guy to hit a three ball and, th- and then we get, you know, pumped. Uh, well, I kind of wish we could bring our own energy off the bench because I think our players feed off of it and just ebbs and flows. So the one guy that can do that, I think consistently is Kellen Tynes. Yeah. He's like the only guy that can come in and just be a spark plug. And it's not because he's scoring. It's he's just playing hard out there. He has very active hands. He gets fired up to play defense. He makes good plays. He's a like gets fired up after he like knocks the ball into an opponent's legs and then out of bounds. He's he gets juiced up, man. And I wish we had more guys with that kind of fire and I wish he got some more minutes and he, he I'd like to see him get plenty of time here in the tournament. Cause I think we, 
it's going to be defensive slugfest. That's what the tournaments are. And you need a guy who can play defense who's going to get you fired up. So I think we need to see a little bit more Kellen Times moving forward. But he, he is the guy that can do that. But outside of him, you're right. It seems like everyone else is just sitting around waiting for someone to make a play. And then when someone does make a play, they get fired up. But like you got to have the energy kind of going into that. It's <laughs> a good point. We were not clutch at all in in both of these games. I mean, no. and I think that was a, like one big point I, I wrote down on my pad, my looking off some of my notes. And another thing is I thought uh, we have a lot of trouble getting the ball into Bello when he's posted up on the block. We turn the ball over a ton, especially if they got a guy coming behind him to swat away that pass. We lose. We had 17 turnovers in this game. We did a little better in the second game, but man, I just remember just being completely frustrated that we couldn't even get the ball into him consistently. No, I don't know what it is. We we try and force that a lot too, mm-hmm. but Bello was a lot better this series about what we had been talking about on the after the Idaho game. We wanted Bello to just catch the ball and make a move. Like that's what he does best. He doesn't do it best when he like puts the ball on the ground and, and tries to make some moves or back a guy down. He just needs to like make a hard dribble at most and take it to the rim or pass it or get rid of it. <laughs> like the, he's cause once he's swarmed, it's pretty much like it's going to be a turnover. Yeah. Well, and sometimes uh, Xavier Bishop will lob it into him and like, I don't know if it's just his height difference <laughs> that he's just a small guy, the angle of it. He just, he doesn't connect well with Bello a lot of time. It's it's a, it's, a, it's a big miss a lot of the times. Yeah, yeah I can see that. So, yeah. Right. So the cats limped through the first game. Were able to get the win. What did you think of that second game? Why don't we? Why don't you take us through the stats on the second game, which was uh, the cats limped at the end, but uh, did not come away victorious. No, no, we had a seventy-four seventy-three loss. Uh, let's see. Sack hit 46%. Uh, we had uh, 52% of our shots. So we, we shot relatively well. Um, five for 13 um, from three-point. Sack hit uh, six from 18. So we were both in the 30%, 33 and 38%. Uh, the free throw percentage was just flip-flop from the first game. And that <laughs> was really the story. Uh, sack shot way above their average at 83.3%. And we... Hit 12 from 19, the whopping 63.2%. And ultimately, that was the difference. When you you miss seven free throws and you lose by one point, I mean, uncharacteristic, right? We're not going to hit 63% of our free throws very often. We're going to hit mostly, you know, I think we're probably, without looking at Ken Palm, we're probably in the 70s is, is what I would assume, or maybe low 80s. But that was... That was pretty bad. We list, we missed quite a few one and ones And uh, I think that was the biggest difference of the game. If you look through the other stats, the rebounds are almost identical. Um, we didn't turn the ball over nearly as much this game, which was nice. And uh, yeah, so everything else was pretty, pretty much even. Um, the thing I kind of remember about this game was uh, Esposito for um, Ethan Esposito, the the senior forward for um, from Sac State, he just wrecked shop second half. Him and Bello were just canceling each other out. Esposito had, I think, 30, 
Oh, what's you know, what do you have? 32 points in this game. Bello had exactly 32 points. <laughs> and so, but Esposito basically hit most of his shots in the second half. And it was just like every, every trip they went down, um, he responded for them. Montana state would hit. They had some stretches in here. Montana state did where they would hit like a three or go up by five. And, um, sack always answered, man. They would always come back hit like a, Nan one three point play where they would just go, they would just chip away, chip away, chip away. We could never, uh, we could never push it really. Uh, no, the past. largest lead here was six. Yeah. And it was just like, man, we, we hit some timely shots, you know, Gazelis again had a couple of timely threes. Uh, he was a dude, um, during both games, I thought played well. And, but outside of that, if you look just at our scores, we, we didn't score well. So, if, um, outside Bello, who just was crazy good in this game, I think he was perfect, wasn't he? Didn't he have yeah. like 13 out of 13 <laughs> or something? A hundred percent from the field. That's, yeah, I mean, that's crazy. You can't do any better than that, look literally. <laughs> but uh, um, Adamu, 13 for 13, Adamu just uh disappeared, he pulled his uh disappearing act, which he does every once in a while. He only has four points. Um, he wasn't taking uh nearly the amount of shots he was um, putting up in the first game. Uh, that guy, like he's a catalyst for our team. If he can drive through the hole and hit that little like 12 foot jumper that he does and, and those give fallen, man, he can, he can really uh, garner a double team. Um, it really yeah. opens up the, the rest of the team. If, if he's able to do that. Yeah. I mean, the Bishop was, had 12 points, nothing to like, be ashamed of, but it's not something you write home about. Gazelas um, had 12 points coming off the bench, but those are our high scores. So not much outside of uh, Jabril. And uh, yeah, we missed a lot of free throws. So that was, that was the game in a nutshell. Yeah. This was the game where it's basically Esposito versus Bello in the second half. It really just, each team was just feeding their guy and each guy was just playing out of their minds. It was, a, it was actually a really entertaining battle. If you're looking for like a one-on-one, this guy versus this guy, this guy answers, like it was about as good as it gets. It's, you don't really see those kinds of battles from big guys. It's usually like shooting guards or guys who can shoot from all over the place. But you got Bello who would just catch it and dunk it. Or he, Bello actually had his best post moves in this game I've actually seen from him. A lot of good moves around the rim, some good movement. Some, uh, it was He actually showed more of his arsenal than I think I've seen rather than just catch it and dunk it. So it was a good game for Bello. Um, uh, Ethan Esposito was right there with them, and it was, it was a fun battle. It was entertaining. And unfortunately, the Cats should have won the game. They they were up by one with, I don't even know how much time was left, but uh, Saxton like came down. seconds or something like that. Yeah, Saxton came down and missed a shot. Uh, there was a rebound, kind of a scrum for it. The Saxton player came flying in, and, and a great... He had a great line on it and caught it midair and Zalus trailed him and uh, smacked him on the back of the head and he got called for a foul on it. And uh, the guy hit both his free throws, of course, because Zach state uh, was very good from the free throw line all game. And that was the end of the game. So it was was a disappointing way to end on a foul on a rebound scrum with 1.7 seconds left, but that's how it ended. And kudos to Zach state for taking care of business at the line to win the game. Yeah. Tons of fouls in this game. 19 and 20 respectively for both teams. I, I, I hate the, it I when it seems like the big sky conference officials like f- change the flow, like change how they call the game as the game goes on. 
Mm. And that's how this game seemed. Like they were letting kind of things go in the first half, and then the second, like the last ten minutes, they just started calling everything. It yeah. just turned into a free throw fest. It was, I don't know what changed. If the guy, I mean, it could very well be that two teams that had played less than twenty four hours ago against each other were just a little tired, and things kind of got a little sloppy and tense at the end. But it, it just turned into a foul fest. It was not that aspect of it was definitely not entertaining. Well. Um, the Montana State Bobcats in the season with an eleven and nine record and eight and six in conference. We avoided playing Idaho State, which we're gonna talk about here in a moment. We avoided playing the Grizzlies. Uh we didn't play Southern Utah. So who knows what our record might have been, but uh we finished over five hundred and that's that's a positive. And we get a seed for the second year in a row. First time I've heard that happen in like 10 years. Yeah, I heard somebody like say it's like 15 years or something like that. <laughs> back, back until like, uh, you know, you and I were still in school. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So That's how long it's been. I mean, February felt hard. So I think you and I kind of have a, just kind of a bleh taste about Montana State uh, basketball, the, the men's program specifically right now. But uh, there's some things Not to tonight, be man. This is the <laughs> night. I'm being positive, but yes, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to keep it positive. But yeah, it it is nice to have back to like the second round appearance, I guess, two, two seasons in a row as disappointing of an end as the season felt, how typical of an end that it felt, you know, here we are with the seed, the, the, is it the fourth or the fifth seed? I can't remember, but it it doesn't matter. It's, they're the same seed in the grand scheme of things, four and five. It just, yeah. do you wear your blue jerseys or your white jerseys? That's the only That's difference. Point. I guess you're right, Ryan. I think what you just said is a little bit, uh, ring my bell is like, it's just the familiar feeling of just yeah. kind of sucking towards the end. And you're like, yeah, that's Montana state basketball in a nutshell. Do well in uh, January, kind of suck it up in February. Eh, I just kind of want that to change. You know, I think with, football we had some of that similar thing with rob ash where we would start out well or we would you know we, we'd win the games we were supposed to and never really win the games we weren't in that's kind of what uh montana state basketball did this year we won the games we were supposed to and we lost against the teams uh that were ranked higher than us and so not a lot of victories outside of maybe unlv i think maybe that uh road trip to unc uh, that, uh, got me really excited. Um, so yeah, yeah the, the UNC d- victory definitely got me pretty amped up, but it turned out UNC is not the, you know, UNC of the past either. They're one yeah. of the, actually the gold standards in the last 10 years in the big sky conferences has been around Colorado. Like be, people are always talking about Weber and Eastern and the Grizz, but Northern Colorado has had some extremely good teams. They've, they've won to the, the big sky conference championship a time or two, I believe. I can't remember exactly, but either way, um, that definitely got me excited. But uh, yeah, just kind of that familiar feeling of here we go again as you start losing games in in February. (laughs) It's just, you know, it's like, are we just a program doomed to be right around 500 forever? It just kind of feels like that. You know, I want to put a little cap on this because I, I don't believe that because I don't think everything stays the same forever. I do think Danny Sprinkle is the guy for the job. I know you know, I kind of live in emotions and sometimes you curse his name. Sometimes you praise his name, but I kind of was, uh, 
encouraged when I, you know, look back at coach Binford and how she maybe struggled early on in her coaching career. And now look, look where she's at. And I think, uh, uh, I would like to think Danny sprinkles on that same arc as a uh, coach Binford and will have his guys ready to go and, um, recruit guys along the way and build the teams that, uh, uh, he wants and he envisions. So I, I think we're going to get there. I uh, hope you're right. So, all right, well, let's put a, put a cap on the regular season, huh? Yeah. Let's, let's do tournament. that. Let's talk some tournament. Okay. So the cats end up with the fifth seed against this has to be a big sky conference first and it, it's COVID and it's, it is what it is, but we didn't play Idaho state. This will be the first time we've played Idaho State all year. That's crazy. I don't think that, that can't have ever happened in a in a conference where you always play a team twice. It's been a weird year because you're playing the team twice in two, three days typically. But here's a team we haven't played once. If we are able to win and Southern Utah takes care of business, we will play another team that we did not play this year. <laughs> There's a possibility of playing. There's if we win, the very likely possibility that we're going to be playing two teams. We did not see in the regular season whatsoever. I don't know if that's an advantage for the Bobcats or a disadvantage. First of all, your quick thoughts. Is it an advantage, do you think, for the Bobcats to play a team that we haven't played yet? Well, it depends if we're hot or not, right? If Montana State comes out and they're just guns blazing and we got something rolling, then yeah, I think that is an advantage. If we eke by and just like squeak out a win, then I don't know if it really is an advantage. So... I don't know. There's something to be said about not feeling that opponent across from you for the first time. And so uh, who knows, we might have a surprise factor, but you know, you could put that on the other half of it too. So I don't know. I don't know the answer either. I would like to think that it's a little bit of an advantage to the Bobcats, but in reality, you think about it. Why, why do I think that? I don't know. It's an Idaho state probably feels the same way. So exactly. (laughs) So who knows? So, but uh, looking at the bracket, uh, you got the bracket up right there. How do you feel about the the Bobcats draw? If we're not going to be the one, two, or three seed, obviously, how do you feel about where the Bobcats ended up in the bracket? We're on the uh, Southern Utah side, who plays the winner of number eight and number nine, Northern Colorado and Sac State, respectively. And then Southern Utah is able to play the winner of the Idaho State-Montana State game. And then obviously the winner of that goes to the semifinals or the, the, I'm sorry, the championship championship game. So all all the cats got to do is win three games <laughs> against a, uh, the number one team, the number one seed Southern Utah, who many people kind of think isn't necessarily deserving of the number one seed. So real quick, what are your thoughts on the, on the bracket? Well, I think it's a very favorable position for Montana state for Southern Utah to get the number one seed because Eastern Washington lost to Idaho state last yeah. week. Yeah. That's huge. I mean, we all know if we had to face Eastern Washington, that's going to be a really tough game. Who's to say what it looks like on the neutral court, right? Anything can really happen. That's the beauty about the, the tournament, but that aside, I think the side that we are on the, the Southern Utah being number one, the four and five, uh, very favorable for Montana State. We miss out on Eastern Washington. We miss out on Weaver State. We miss out on Montana. Uh, so, yeah, I think uh, Montana State has had not the luck of the draw in a lot of um, scheduling, whether it be 
basketball or football, but this one has turned out pretty good, but we got to win that game. So yeah. Uh, Southern Utah. It means nothing if we don't win on Thursday, right? Yeah. 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 Southern Utah is actually 140th in the Ken Palm. So it puts them behind league leader Eastern and then Weber state and Idaho state is actually 269th. While the cats are 237th, both pretty awful, but uh, Idaho state's actually ranked 62 spots behind us in the Ken Palm ratings. So we have an opponent who is theoretically uh, not supposed to be as good as us. And then we get to play the, th- the third best of the top three, I- at least from the standings standpoint. If you, if you look at Southern Utah's record, uh, what is their overall record? I'm looking at it right here. I'm not used to looking at Ken Palm. Where does it sum it up for me? Oh, there it is. 19 and three, 12 and two in conference. Five of their wins out of conference are against subdivision one programs. And that's the case for a lot of teams this year. Cause you had a game cancel. You just schedule whoever, but you know, it definitely pads the stats a little bit when you play St. Catherine, uh, Bethesda, Benedict Mesa and San Diego Christian and Bethesda twice. <laughs> do you want to talk about padding your stats, Thorny? Sure. Let's there's, do it. There's, yeah. There's a certain Montana team who was sitting below <laughs> 500 this weekend who had some open schedule. So they decided to, pay a division two team to come up and in a team uh, was a Pacific Warner. And so for like the 12th or 15th or whatever consecutive season in a row now, Montana is insured a, uh, a winning schedule or a winning record. I think that's a bunch of bull. Yeah. You've been harping I, I get on what they do. Yeah. I get what they do <laughs> because they probably want to have some games going into the tourney. Not, you know, not so they're knocking off the rust, but the optics of it, man, is just kind of shitty. I, I don't know. I didn't even think about that until you said that. I would have never even considered it. I'm like, well, they of course, they're going to a winning it. record. Of course, they're going to schedule some games. And the last two games of the season were canceled going to the tournament. And of course, you're going to schedule a game. They bought themselves a winning record. Thorny. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those are facts. The cats would have done any team would have done the exact same thing, regardless of your record. Well, they're Montana. <laughs> they're not Montana State. So that's fair. I can keep it on them. You can do what you want. This is our podcast. Yep. Not not yours, Chris fans. If you're even listening to this, I don't know why you would be. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So that's pretty much uh, you know, I think the cats got a favorable draw. I agree with you. And I think there's actually a decent chance. Um, as far as chances go, I've, I've felt in a while that the Cats could end up in the championship game. I mean, they're still, I would still put them at probably below 35%, but 30%, but there's there's a chance. There's, there's a good chance. And the Cats are capable of doing it. It's just, can they put a whole game together? Can they play with the energy for an entire game? Can they take care of the basketball? And can they avoid those long scoring droughts? These are all things that have played the Bobcats at times through the year. And if, if you can put the whole game together, the Bobcats are absolutely capable of beating, I think, any team in the conference. But it's just been a long time since they put a full game together like that. No, they got a coach who's been there. They got a coach who's experienced that feel. You know, he should be just playing the tapes of him just wrecking shop <laughs> against Weaver. And just uh, <laughs> you know, those ESPN highlights that sent them to the, to the dance. Because those are... I've been watching that lately, just, you know, seeing all the fans in the stand for one thing that's just kind of cool again, but, uh, sprinkles, he's lived it, man. So he's walked the walk. I hope he, I hope he can impart some of that magic to him this week. 
Maybe he'd just shave his head and go all Alex Caruso, put a headband on, and just come out and play the game for us. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Manny Tinkle or you know something, some terrible. <laughs> what do you think you'd go from three point? Ah, uh, I don't know, man. He could probably still. He could probably still put down. 30, 40%, depending if he can get himself open. <laughs> That's the hard part, <laughs> getting open. I'm sure he can shoot him with as good as he could have ever shoot it, but <laughs> yeah, getting open a little harder. <laughs> All right. Love, well, you. love you, coach. <laughs> hey, speaking of coaches, I'm really sad that we didn't say this at the beginning of the episode, but I, I want to say it now while it's in my head. Uh, Benford was named uh, the Big Sky Conference Women's Coach of the Year. Trisha Benford. Yep, she's sharing it with um, Idaho's uh, coach. Uh, don't know his name, but yeah, co co coach. I, did, of the I year. did not see that. That's funny. Uh, I had an extremely busy day at work, so I didn't catch hardly any of this kind of stuff. But anyway, re- congratulations, Trisha. You're doing an awesome job, and I just wanted to, I wanted to bring it up in the news portion of this, but we just got right into it tonight. So I just, uh, you're talking about coaches. I want to make sure we acknowledge Big Sky Conference Coach of the Year, co coach of the year, Trisha Bidley. She's done a phenomenal job. Got it rolling. Yeah. Not surprisingly, you know, and this was supposed to be a rebuild year, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Have a legit chance of winning this thing. Yeah, this it. team's going to be the same for like at least two years. It's, it's amazing. Mm. Just love like it. one senior this year. Speaking of which, All by right. the time this is recorded, um, the cats will have either beaten or lost to Sacramento state. Um, we're gonna. I'm probably planning on releasing this Wednesday. I just can't get the turnaround time for Tuesday, so you'll be hearing this on Wednesday morning. And uh, at least the Grizzlies went down to Sacramento State. So that's uh, speaking of bashing the Grizz. That was an entertaining game that you and I watched a little bit of here tonight. <laughs> <laughs> no, no uh, sadness here. No nope. love lost. Uh, seeing the Lady Grizz go down. I was actually a little. I was more concerned about playing them than Sac, just because it's always hard to beat. Team three times or be a rival three times, so I think that helps out a little bit. We would have beat the Grizz, but yeah, you're yeah. right. It is hard to it's hard to beat someone three times in a row. It's it's less mentally taxing anyway. So it, it, this way, we're a little bit more mentally fresh for our next game, unless we just would have routed the Grizz. Who knows? So Going off think, uh, on a tangent. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, just uh, one last question before we wrap this up. What do you think about the idea of having a buy in the tournament? Do you think it gives you an advantage or do you think playing a game, feeling the court, the um, just the atmosphere for a first game, is does that give you an advantage? I think the buy is an absolute advantage because as we just saw with the Lady Grizz, like upsets happen in this tournament all the time. So why would you want to play more games, putting your chance yourselves at a chance for an upset? You could be the number one seed if you played the number... 11 seed in our in our scenario where there's 11 teams in the conference you could lose that first game easy yeah well so. i'm just thinking you know you know you have new shot shot lines or what is what do they call it uh, the way the basically way that the way the arena feels and so i mean i get that you're yeah you're at this point you'll be playing a team well, actually in this in our case this is the only case that it's not the case both the teams this is the first game for both teams in the tournament so that's another. That's actually another interesting angle I hadn't really considered. All the other seeds, you're playing a team that's already won a game in the tournament, so they already have a taste of it. They've already played a tournament game. They 
they kind of, like you said, have a feel for the court, the arena and all that stuff. We're playing a team. We're both playing our first game in the tournament. That's an interesting thing I didn't really consider before. That's why I asked it. Smart. <laughs> so, and th- well, in this case, it's not an advantage or disadvantage for either team. So by the time we play Southern Utah, if we win, uh, each team will have played one game, one, one game. It's a good point. So it's going to be, it's going to be equal footing on this side of the bracket in, in the experience, unless of course, uh, somebody upends Southern Utah and then they'll have come in to play Montana state. Assuming we win, if we win having won two games already. I don't think Southern Utah is going to get far. I don't know. I think people are liking to dog on them a little bit right now. I still put them in my number one in the power in the big sky podcast power rankings because they keep taking care of business. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess we'll see. <laughs> I, st- I, I guess don't have I much still, more to say. <laughs> I still think the cats probably match up better with them. And I think we have a best chance to beat them. Um, but I still think they're probably the best team on a, on a resume basis. Anyway, a consistent season overall. Yeah. I would put Eastern there, but uh, you know, I would probably disagree on that. Yeah. Yeah. You might be right. All right, man, let's put a bow on this bad boy, huh? We're going into the tournament, men's and women's teams. I'm excited about both, man. Let's, let's do this. Let's go cats. Go cats. Go cats. All right. I got places to be.